0: Well, let's jump in now and uh, pray, and then we'll spend some time in God's Word, and you'll get an opportunity to be a part of something that uh, nobody in the country has ever uh, been a part of before this morning, and so let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer, and you'll see what that means in just a minute. Well, Lord Jesus, we are so grateful for an awesome church like this um, that just loves on us in so many ways and provides so many opportunities opportunities for us to grow and to learn and now Lord we've all had busy tough weeks I mean mine's been you know laid out flat Uh, other people Lord are coming in here and for whatever reason they might have had a really rough week as well but the great thing is is when we walk through those doors and we get to worship and uh, and lift up our voices to you and then just for a few minutes Lord where we get to hear from you in your word uh, what, a, what a great shot in the arm that can be to motivate us to, to really do this, Lord, to really be your person, to live out your kingdom on earth. So thank you now for this morning. Bless us as we get ready to look at your word and what we can learn as we do that. It's in your precious and awesome, awesome name we do pray, Lord Jesus, and all God's people sat. Amen. Now, um, somewhere in here, up oh, here it is. Oh, I'll let that go down there. Because if I bent down to pick it up, I couldn't get up. But um, anyway, uh, here, here we go. Um, here's what we're going to be talking about this morning. I want to talk to you about being a napkin. <laughs> or really how, as a person, as a family, as a church, you can bring up there down here in a real tangible way. Well, what what do I mean by that? You know, I think for most of us, if I had a chance to sit with you at Starbucks and look you in the eye and just ask you the question, would you like to do something great for God? Uh, Would you like to do something great for your family? Let me tell you, most of us would say, sign me up. But the problem is, and I think this is for most of us, when we hear the word great, we just shut down. Because greatness, for most of us, it just seems so out of reach. It just seems out there somewhere. I mean, greatness is like what happened a couple of days ago for the Diamondbacks. Now, you don't think Diamondbacks greatness with this season, right? Okay, that's going on. Um, but two days ago, only for only the second time, something happened. What was it? It was a uh, no-hitter. It was only the second one in Diamondback history. There's only been one perfect game. That was who? Baseball fans. That was Randy Johnson in 2004. But two days ago, Erwin um, Jackson threw, it, and, and it was an amazing deal because he walked nine people, but he still pitched a no-hitter. Only baseball, right? And, and, uh, uh, but that's great. I mean, we think greatness is reserved for somebody else. In fact, some of us, a lot of us, maybe walking in here and thinking, you know what, I really don't have very much in my cup. I mean, I'm flat on empty and okay, I can maybe do something, but forget this greatness thing. Oh really? Well, you know what, what if, um, you know, greatness, I, I think part of it is, is when we think of greatness, what we think of is, is that well, that's somebody whose cup is full with what? Being able to do more, being able to have more, being able to influence more, see I, I think a lot of us struggle with maybe could we do something great but I don't think very many of us struggle with comparison uh, You don't raise your hands but has anybody ever been here and looked around and see somebody else that you know and they seem like they have so much in their cup that you go man if I just had what they had then I could do more for the Lord well then I'd have more to be able to give for him and, to, and to things and I'd be able to influence so many people And do so much more. And it's so easy, I think, for us to say greatness doesn't, that ain't me, but maybe somebody else. But Lord, you know, maybe uh, someday. Well, you know what? Um, Here's the problem if that's how you look at greatness. Greatness. And that's what I think Sandra Bullock found out, unfortunately. One night, think about this, one night, just a few months ago at the Academy Awards, she wins the what? The Best Actress Academy Award. And when you win the Best uh, act, you, you get a, what's that called? An Oscar, right? Now, I've had the privilege of holding one of those, and they are unbelievably heavy for being that small. I didn't want to give it back, but I got to hold it for just a second. And when you hold that, that means she gets to keep it, not just hold it and guess what that gives her instantly full cup I mean in terms of the world at least I mean she gets to do more she's gonna get more roles than she ever Because she's an Academy Award winner she's gonna be able to have more she's gonna get paid more for the next movie that she's in because she's an Academy Award winner and she's gonna be able to influence more people because she's even more famous right so she's got it but here's the problem as I think most of you know what happened the very next day the very next day. So you go to the Academy Awards, you get your cup totally filled up, and then what does your husband do the next day? Uh, So much bad behavior, and it hits the whole tabloids, and I don't care who you are and and what you have filling up your cup. When your spouse blows a huge hole in your cup, your whole world feels like it's just falling apart. Well, Or, you know, what about uh, Al Gore? Okay, Now, on December 7th, uh, December 10th, 2007, Al Gore won what? Anybody remember? The Nobel Prize. And that was after he had won the Academy Award. So, think about a full cup. You'd have not only Academy Award in there, you've got the Nobel Prize in there, okay? Well, anybody been reading the news this week? How full do you think his cup is this week? Okay? And what I'm getting at is, is so many of us look around and we really think, I think we really believe, a lot of us, that greatness, we think, for a lot of us, is what's inside our cup. Well, it isn't. It isn't. And you're gonna see that real clearly. And thankfully, Okay, for us, um, the disciples uh, can, can give us some insight on that because maybe, just maybe, real greatness doesn't have anything to do with what's in our cup. Well, here's, here's what I mean by that. The disciples struggled, just like I think we do, with what was really great. What was really um, great. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me. So we're going to look at two passages because these two passages um, they're going to seem very similar, but they were in different times, different contexts. But watch the parallelism that goes through here as we talk about this. And so the first one is going to be Mark chapter nine. Mark chapter nine. So we're going to put it up here on the screen, or actually it's behind me, I guess. Um, but Mark chapter nine. Okay. Now in Mark. Chapter nine. Here's the setting Jesus begins to talk about what? sacrifice. And so Jesus says, now from there, the the, the scripture says, from there they went out, they began to go through Galilee. And he did not, that's Jesus, he did not want anyone to know about it. For he was teaching the disciples and telling them something. Now stay with me, because obviously what's happening, Jesus pulls the disciples aside, and so this is some kingdom teaching for those that know him, for those that love him. And so his disciples that are closest to him, he says to them the hardest news that he has to deliver. And in fact, this is the first time he says it. The Son of Man is to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he has been killed, he will rise three days later. But they did not understand this statement, and they were afraid to ask. So Jesus talks about what? Sacrifice. Now watch this. As soon as he talks about sac- sacrifice, they immediately start talking about Greatness. Okay? Well, then they come to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, Jesus asked them a question What were you talking about along the way? What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent for on the way they had been discussing which one of them was the greatest. Now let me stay with me on this, because here's the context. You see, for them, we look at the resurrection post-resurrection. So we have a context for understanding the resurrection. It's kind of like for those of us, like I was born after the Korean War. But if you were born and were alive during World War II, I mean, we didn't know the outcome of World War II at the time. But I'm looking at a movie or band of brothers or something on TV, you know the context, you know the ending. Well they had no context for a resurrection but they had plenty of pictures in their mind about people that had been killed. And when when Jesus says, hey you know what, I'm gonna be killed and what do they think? Well it's all over. And when things are all over, what do we do as people? Well we start talking about, well okay, then who won? If the game's over, Well, then look up at the scoreboard. How many of you play Yahtzee and don't keep score? All right, Who goes to a baseball game? Actually, there's there's a lot of people that do. Um, But who goes to a baseball game and doesn't look up at the scoreboard when it's over? You want to know who won, right? So they start talking about, well, hey, if it's all over, then who has the most? Who's the greatest? Well, Jesus says, okay, wait a minute. And sitting down... Um, Have you ever heard of the chair of the Department of English or the chair of the Department of Economics? Did you know where that comes from? In rabbinic teaching, when you were going to deliver an address, kind of like I'm doing today, we stand up. What did did a rabbi do? When they taught, they sat down. That's why they call that the chair of of education. So that's a a, a really important teaching. So Jesus sits down, calls the 12 to them, says, now look, if any of you want to be first, guess who that is you got to start keeping score in a different way because it has nothing to do with what's in your cup if any of you wants to be the cup he's the one that will be last and the servant of all and just to make sure that they got the picture said in in fact it's not about what fills your cup it's about you filling up other people's cup in fact jesus says it's about you filling up just one kid's cup one kid's life And so taking a child, he set him before him, and taking him in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives children, is that what it says up there? No, it says how many kids? How many kids? One. This is the group participation part, okay? How many kids? One. One kid. Jesus says, you want to be great? You want to be first? Well, just help one Kid. So do you see what Jesus is doing? He's keeping score in a totally different way. I mean, it's kind of like me watching soccer, okay? And I and I'm glad our soccer team did great, but I am not a soccer person. I didn't grow up, you know, playing soccer. And like the other day, I'm, I'm there the remember the England and USA game, and we're tied one-to-one. And people are going crazy and they're saying this is the best game USA has ever played. And I'm going, they tied. But in soccer, the rules are different, right? If you tie against You get points, or I still don't understand it. And don't get me started on hockey either. But um, but anyway, um, soccer and hockey I can't do because they're just scored different. But you see what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying I don't care what you come in here with. I care what are you doing to fill up somebody else's cup, because that's what greatness is. I mean, we could be totally empty, and we could be the person that God uses in, in tremendous ways to help somebody else. Well, let me give you another example. Matthew chapter 20 verse 17 Matthew chapter 20 now same disciples same context look at the context Jesus begins to talk about what sacrifice and as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem it says and the twelve disciples he set them apart by themselves so again this is just family talk here and he says behold we're going to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be delivered. Look how specific he gets this time in Matthew, because it's closer to the day. This is the week. This is just before the triumphal entry. So this is just before he's heading to be, uh, one week later, he'll be crucified. And so Jesus gets even more specific, and he goes, now look, we're going to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes. They will condemn him to death. They will hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him and scourge him and crucify him. But on the third day... There's a new scoring system. There, there's a, the resurrection will take place. But do they get it? No, because again, that's, they, they still haven't figured it out yet. So they, but the part that they do here is what? The game's over. So what do they start talking about? Greatness. So if the game's over, and so now the mother of the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, comes to Jesus with her sons, and they bow down and they make a request, and, and they, uh, she says, the mom says, command that in your kingdom these two sons of mine may sit, one in your right hand, on one in your left. In other words, Jesus, hey, if everything's, you know, if, if we're wrapping this thing up, then when you do get to your kingdom, uh, then do me a favor, would you? These are good boys these are my kids put one on the right and one on the left and of course Jesus says that's not you know for me that's for the father to decide and, and, uh, and by the way are you really willing to drink of that cup and of course they say yes um, but watch what happens next okay they start talking about Jesus so uh, or about they start uh, talking about greatness so Jesus has to change how the scoring system works again and so he says Jesus connect, corrects their view of greatness. It's not about having, it's about serving. And he says this, and hearing this, the ten became indignant with the two brothers, but Jesus called them all to himself because they were all struggling with this. I mean, they just, the two beat them to it, but, but um, or at least their mom did, but the bottom line is, is Jesus calls all of them together and he goes, you know how the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and the great men exercise authority? I mean, the more you have in your cup, The more you can push people around, more influence, the more you can do, right? Well, that is not to be that way among you. But whoever wishes to be great among you shall be who? Your servant. And in fact, you want to be first, you want to get all the way that you want to pitch a perfect game? Well, then be the slave. For just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life for many. Now, I hope you get that picture. Because uh, to me, uh, it, it's a great picture of how in God's kingdom, God's upside-down kingdom, because isn't that true? So often when you teach, when you read principles from God, about God's kingdom and how we're supposed to live it out on earth, it is totally upside-down. You give up your life to gain it. You lose to, to, to gain. The first will be last. And here, you want to be great? Well, it's not what fills up your life. It's how you're filling up others. In fact, here's the thing that I, I want you to really go away with you know, this morning. Does anybody have that card that you were handed by the ushers? They did a really good job of trying to get it to everybody, but uh, everybody have one of those cards? I hope you do. Grab your card, and, and, uh, and here's, uh, here's what I'm saying. My challenge to you today, and to me, is to go out of here and forget about what fills our cup, or how empty it is, or who has more than us. It's to be the cup. In fact, it's not only to be the cup, but it's to be the sleeve. Oh, and it's not only that, it's to be the napkin. Now, to illustrate that, I want to tell you a quick story, and then I want you to be the first church in the country that's going to see a video about the kingdom. But here's the story first. There's this guy named Jack Alexander. Now, Jack isn't as fam- famous as Sandra Bullock, but in the business world, Jack Alexander is a rock star, okay? Now, Jack Alexander, picture this guy in college. Now, he wasn't a believer, but in college, he goes to Duke University where he runs track. He's this really good-looking guy. He graduates top of his class, okay? Fraternity guy, just, you know, is, has everything and, um, and gets a Fortune 500 job Right out of college, because he's just brilliant in the whole financial area, and he just shoots up in terms of uh, everything. And and uh, this company, while he's working for that company, they have a big problem in Australia, so they 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 send him over there, uh, but but uh, and he does a great job there. But then he comes back and he just uh, takes over a company that was almost bankrupt, and he takes this little almost bankrupt company and when Jack leaves a few years ago, World Travel is the largest travel agency in the world with over 4,000 agents. Do you think maybe this guy, you know, with all his schooling and three awesome sons that God gave he and his beautiful wife and beautiful, you think he's got a lot in his cup? Okay, absolutely from what the world talks about, but guess what Jack learned early on? Okay, early on, let me see if I can do this Ah, Okay, early on, Jack learned uh, that uh, it's not about what's in our cup it's about what we do with it, and listen to how he learned it when he went to Australia, remember he gets out of school, works for this fortune 5 company, he's the golden boy, they send him to Australia but he's all by himself and he's in Australia and he's walking around in Sydney and it's a Sunday morning and he hears all this music and laughter and he walks into a church for homeless people well, there were other people there, not just homeless people, but a, but it was a church primarily homeless people down and some people that lived downtown. But here's these people, and they have what in their cup? They have nothing. And here's Jack who walks in the back, and there's probably more net worth with just him than there was in the whole congregation, okay? And yet he 's got all this stuff to fill him up, and he walks in there and he goes, "John, I just felt like I was empty here i 'm standing by these people that have nothing and they 're singing and praising God, and they 're happy and they're fulfilled, and it looks like they have a purpose and i 'm supposed i 'm so full, but I feel like I have nothing and so what does he do? He comes back the next week and he comes back the next week, and these homeless people begin serving him, and then they lead him to Christ, and so these homeless people lead this this cool CEO guy, you know, to, that's how he comes to know the Lord, and then, of course, the rest is history, builds world travel, and then he decides, I'm going to take some time now that, you know, he's sold his company, and I'm going to start helping people just understand about the kingdom, because that's what he started doing, was just looking at the kingdom, and looking at the kingdom, and so he hired this guy named Matt Pope, who's just a great guy, real creative, and another awesome uh, a guy uh, named Mark McDonald who's from Boston and just super creative and their video and their, uh, their script writers and stuff like this. And I want you to be the first people in the country to take a look at a picture of God's kingdom. Okay? And this whole cup, sleeve, and napkin thing I think will make more sense in just a few minutes. So uh, here we go. Let's show the video and then we'll, we'll uh, reconvene. Here we go.
1: a story right in the middle of the Gospels that you may have heard. Jesus is hanging out with his disciples one day when the mother of two of them, James and John, she comes up to Jesus and she says, Jesus, when you get to your kingdom, would you let one of my boys sit on your right and the other on your left? (laughs) Uh, The Bible doesn't say exactly what the other disciples thought about this, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they sort of snickered at James and John a little bit for getting their mama to do their dirty work for them. But I bet all of them also had another thought in one form or another. How do I measure up? We've all probably heard before how God wants us to step up and be spiritual leaders, try to make a difference for the kingdom. A friend of mine named Miles comes to mind. Miles has been pretty successful in his business. Well, really successful. And I watch him sometimes and admire the way that he uses the platform that God's given him. The integrity that he tries to show in the way he conducts his business. The money that he has that he can give away. I. Started my own business a while back. Dot uh, com. Stop me if you know where this is going. Right. I used to think about all the the great ways that God could use me once my business took off. All the all the, the, the people I could influence. All the money I could give away. Just like my friend, I, I think of myself like this cup, you know. And, and I I pray God would you would you just fill me up with opportunity, with influence. Give me a platform so I could use it for you. (laughs) Funny thing happened to me, though, right before my dot-com dot-bombed, when it still looked like it might actually take off. I started to think of myself not as the cup that God could use, but as the coffee inside. I was what was going to be so beneficial to God's kingdom. Maybe I'd even deserve a seat next to Jesus. I've got another friend, Maria. She works in a a fancy high-rise building downtown cleaning luxury condos penthouses. Her job really doesn't give her much of a platform like Miles has, and she definitely doesn't have a lot of extra money to give away. But I think of her when I think about the way Jesus responds to that question from James and John's mom, because Jesus, he, he turns to the disciples, to all of them, probably because he knew that they were all thinking the same thing, and he says, you guys want to be great? Here's how you do it. Become a servant. You see this sleeve on this cup? It's only got one job. To support the cup. That's it. I uh, i think a lot of times God says to us, to me, I don't want you to be the cup today. Be the sleeve, just be the sleeve. Take the heat for someone else. It can be a humbling role to be the sleeve when you always saw yourself as the cup. But uh, Jesus, he wasn't done yet. He says to his disciples, you want to be great, be a servant, but whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Do you ever feel like all you're doing is cleaning up someone else's mess? That you don't get any credit for the work you're doing for the kingdom? I got news for you. The cup, it's important. The sleeve is very important. But Jesus says when you're willing to be the napkin, you're first. There's something about the secret life of a Christian about being the napkin and nobody even knows about it. Preachers, I think, like to call it humility I sort of like to think of it as some sort of spiritual gravity, gravity for your soul. Jesus said, if you humble yourself before him, he will lift you up. But if you make yourself big, he will humble you. cup, the sleeve, the napkin. The roles aren't mutually exclusive. Maybe today God will give you an opportunity, ask you to step up and lead, even if you aren't used to it. Use you as a cup in somebody's life. Maybe tomorrow, He'll ask you to step down and be the sleeve that supports somebody else as they lead. The day after that, God might ask you to be the napkin, to just be there for someone who's hurting and help make the invisible kingdom visible. And if he does, then rejoice because he says, you're first. I heard somewhere that the kingdom of God is bringing what's up there down here. And maybe the way to do that is to worry less about where we can step up and lead and more about where we can step down and serve. But whatever role God gives you, the cup, the sleeve, or the napkin, don't ever forget. You are not
0: the coffee all right, well, I hope you uh, got that picture. Kind of makes sense? <laughs> uh, Jack emailed me and sent me the link to this, and said, "Hey, what do you think about it?" And I go, uh, I go, "You know, I am uh, getting ready to talk at at Scottsdale Bible about service and would you mind if I use this? And uh, you are the first people in the country to see that. And I hope that gives you a picture of, 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 of what God looks at, the different way he keeps score. And what I want to do now is, is, you ready to meet some people that are Great. That are just awesome people. You know, a few weeks ago here on campus, there were almost 900 kids. Is that unbelievable or what? And you heard about that, and you couldn't have missed it if you were here during those couple of weeks because there was all the, the different things hung up and, uh, and everything else. But over 125 people were uh, people that will remember what Jesus said in, uh, in Mark when he said that, boy, if you just help one kid. Well, we had almost 900 here on campus. But to do that, it took 125 uh, cups, people that were willing to serve others, that did all the decorations and put together all the classrooms and wore those really cool costumes and, and uh, took care of Elvis the camel which uh, by the way Elvis the three-year-old camel I took uh, Steve Erickson's spiritual gift test and and my spirit I got to pick up I was the pooper scooper for Elvis the, uh, the camel so that was my spiritual gift that week of, uh, cam- uh, but, um, but what I'm getting at is God used a ton of people and do me a favor if you're here in this service and you were a part of VBS in any way, before, during, breaking down, afterwards, do me a favor and stand up, will ya? And let's take a look at some great people. Would you stand up, come on, I know there's a bunch of you in there. Can we say thank you to these people? Okay, if you're a part of, of that, okay. Well, you know, we've also got a lot of people that are really, you wanna meet some other great people? Well, we got a bunch of sleeves that are here. You may not realize it, but guess what a sleeve does. This is my sleeve from this morning at, at Starbucks. and uh, And with my extra hot Two extra. Um, you have to put a warning label on my coffee, you know. So it's, there's uh, there's uh, how many shots in a vente? Anybody know? Any baristas here? You know, there's already five. So get them to put two more shots in. And and uh, and so, but um, it's so hot when you get an extra hot uh, americano. What do they do? They give you a what a sleeve. And in fact, mine's actually melted onto the cup. But what does a sleeve allow you to do? Think about this for a second. A sleeve allows you to hold on to that. And it takes the heat out so that you can keep hold of that coffee cup. How many of you even know that we have a counseling center here at Scottsdale Bible Church? It's not on the main campus. They can't get up here week after week and tell you, oh, we got to help a ton of people. Um, but do you know, we, we ha- they're actually down the street where the chapel is, we have three full-time counselors, we've got roughly four or five people that are pros, professional, uh, Greg Crow type, you know, professionals that volunteer time, we've got student counselors that are working on their masters and their PhD, we've got Stevens ministers and lay counselors, over 25 of them, and guess what they do every week last year well let's talk about last year last year they sat down with twelve hundred families where things were superheated in those relationships and guess what they did they they help they were the sleeve that helped those people hang in there and so if you're a part of the counseling ministry do me a favor stand up well yeah if you're any if you're a lay counselor or stevens minister stand up and let's give those people a, a hand as well there's several of them over there Okay. okay And then I thank the Lord uh, that, uh, you talk about greatness, is I thank the Lord that we've got a whole bunch of napkins that are here at Scottsdale Bible. And I know that because those are the kinds of people that have been coming over to Cindy and my house uh, of late several months ago, all the way back in October, my precious, awesome wife, Cindy, fell, and she tried to break her fall. She was up in the mountain preserve, and and when she fell down, she, I'll get it, last time I'll drop it, I promise, you know, so, ah! so, anyway, I, uh, um, so Cindy's up in the mountain preserve, and she falls down, and she tries to break her fall, which is worse than just falling. Do you know what I'm talking about? And she hurts her wrists so badly that um, it's just killing her, so they tell her to use Epsom salts to take out some of the pain, and she doesn't know how to use them right, and she gets these terrible chemical burns all over her hands. And Cindy's hands have not turned off since then. It's like, picture all of your... Um, pain endings on your hands and all the nerve endings have just exploded but they just don't turn off and the pain goes up your, your and she's had to take a medical leave from school she loves teaching and she loves doing stuff around the house and she loves you know cleaning her house and cooking and so guess who has to do the cooking and I'm good I'm really good there's lots of hamburger helper out there you know uh, but I, I, thank, I thank God that we've had some people that have come over and what do they do they bring you meals because they know Cindy needs something besides Hamburger Helper, and then I come over, uh, I come home the other day, and I'm not making this up. Uh, I do try to do as good a job as I can cleaning um, for Cindy because she can't do it right now. But and she's ma- she's making me wear my my uh, reading glasses so I can actually clean even better now that I can see what I'm cleaning. Um, but I don't. I'm a guy. I don't clean like she does. I'm a guy, and so the shower I've never gotten the shower as clean as Cindy you know would do it if she could do it which she can't now and guess who's at our house the other day when I show up is this lady from here and uh, she is on her hands and knees scrubbing the shower so that Cindy can have a shower as clean as when when she could do it let me tell you there are napkins all over um, this church and I am so grateful for that well just as we're sliding for home here I want you to, to, to really think about that Jesus' love, I think, is never any clearer than when you see somebody be in the cup and the sleeve and the napkin. When I walk in and these people bring stuff or try to help Cindy and I want to lecture her and coach her into getting better and they just sit and listen to her, let me tell you, it, it's unbelievable. Um, and, and so we want to be the cup, we want to be the sleeve, we want to be the napkin, I think. So let me give you a real quick challenge. Okay? Men every one of you here, uh, guess what the cup does? It serves. So when you walk out here today, and if you're with your bride, then do me a favor and open the car door. Don't sit there and go, what's the matter, your arm broken? Get in. You know, kind of a deal. Um, Be the servant. Be the servant. You know, when you go into Starbucks, men actually smile occasionally. Or if the, if the half and half is empty, instead of yelling at them to come out from behind the back. did You know, I just talked to a lady that quit Starbucks at Tatum and Shea. And you know why she quit? She said because the people were so mean to her. And this is just this lady I ran into at a deal. I didn't know her. I just said, well, hey, didn't I recognize, I recognize her from the deal? And it just made me thinking. well, what if we just go and we spam that Starbucks with niceness? You know what I mean? What if we walk into that Starbucks and we just try to serve and encourage them? And, and you know what? What if we went home, man, uh, and really were the napkin and really helped? Well, ladies, what about you? What about uh, if you were like, uh, you know, what if you were the napkin? Uh, we, we have. I get to see three great examples of this at our house. Our oldest daughter, Carrie, is is uh, 24, I think, or 23, right in there, and we love her very much. And I just can't. Uh um, but it's right in there and uh, bottom line is, is, is uh, Carrie's super smart, she graduated college in three years, she does a one year advanced MBA thing and so she does all these big marketing things for TGen, but you know what else she does because she's so good at lifting up other people? She uses her words, she's great at words and she's, so, and she's the one that gives the tour at TGen so that she can go around in every department, help people feel better. You know, hey, guess what they're doing? Guess what they're doing? Because scientists don't really do a great job of promoting themselves. And Carrie uses her gifts that way. Laura is our, is our youngest daughter. And guess where Laura's going? Laura's going in, uh, in next week to be a lifeguard at a, at a Christian camp and to be a counselor for kids and to serve them. And she's also the only girl they've ever had at the camp that'll be the captain of one of the paintball teams. How cool is that? So so that tells you a little bit about her. She'll be leading the charge and getting waxed by all the paintball things, you know. Um, But guess what Laura has done since fourth grade here at Scottsdale Bible Church every year? Every year, she's worked in the children's department. You know what the children's department have have out there? They've got, um, because remember, that's what greatness is, is that, well, they've got uh, cups out there with sleeves and napkins and a free cup of coffee if you want to go by and talk with them about helping with kids like Laura has. And then you know, and then there's Cindy and, uh, uh, and my precious, awesome wife. Cindy, uh, Laura just had her wisdom teeth out. And here's Cindy, her hands, because when your hands are on fire, if you touch anything, it makes them go worse. But Cindy, Laura just had her wisdom teeth out. So I'm watching, my, I'm laying there on my back, so I can't do anything. But I would watch Laura, I mean, I'm sorry, I'd watch Cindy. She had to change Laura's ice packs every 20 minutes. And so here she can't use her hands so she's using this does not sound like a mom. She uses her wrist with these ice packs so she can change out the ice packs and then she just guts it out, and reaches in and pulls out those uh bloody gauze things to put in new gauze because that's my pup and she serves them. She's the napkin for her kids. I, I mean, we just need to do this. We need to be the cup and the sleeve and the napkin. I mean, that's when you see Jesus. Well, maybe there's somebody in your life that's been that to you, that's been the person that's helped you. Do me a favor, will you? Go to the website, Scottsdale Bible Church website, and I talked to Jack Alexander, and we're going to build a napkin hall of fame. Oh, you know. And we're just going to put a bunch of stories up online so that people can read about somebody that was a napkin to somebody else and how they saw Jesus when that happened. So if somebody's ever served you like they've served us, then send me your story and it may end up in the Napkin Hall of Fame. And then one last thing as the ushers come forward, because we're right on time, something's wrong, um, is, uh, is uh, as the ushers come, come forward here, uh, I don't know if you know what we do here at Scottsdale Bible Church the last Sunday of every month. But there could not be a better time for the elders' offering. Because what's the elders' offering? The first offering is the one we take every week, and that's, well, hey, you know, that keeps the lights on and the air conditioning, and that helps uh, all the ministries and all the people and and, uh, the missions and everything else. But guess what this offering is? This offering is for people whose lives are in pieces and where things are a mess and what do they need? They need somebody to be the cup and the sleeve and the napkin for them. 100% of the elders offering, 100% of it goes to helping people that need a cup and a sleeve and a napkin. And as I pray and then we'll we'll take the offering uh, um, and would you do me a a favor too? Uh, There's a group of people right up here that show up all the time. You talk about uh, cups and sleeves and napkins, and they're the folks that take the offering. Do we ever thank them? Can we say thank you, Lord, for these folks and, and, uh, um, and what they're doing? So, uh, so let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer, and then um, Troy will come up and uh, uh, play as we're taking our offering, and then we'll head out. Well, Lord Jesus, we do thank you. And I thank you so much that this is a cup full. This is a church full of cups and sleeves and napkins. And thank you that people can walk out of here and go over to the children's area and learn about how to serve. Maybe even just one kid and get a free cup of coffee uh, as a as a result. They'll give them a cup and with a ticket in it for a free cup of coffee. Well, Lord, some of us maybe. That's greatness. Help us to realize that, Lord. And then there are so many sleeves, people that are involved in others' lives and are backing the heat out so that they'll stay committed and hang in there. 1,200 families that, that got the heat taken out of those relationships so they could stay together, Lord, when things were so hot. And then thank you for all those napkins like we've had showing up at our house. Well, Lord, bless this elder offering now. Might it go to help people who need that help and we love you and thank you Lord for this time it's in your precious name we do pray